We've been going through Second Peter, and we've come to this second chapter that, um, truth be told, has been a, a rough chapter. We have looked at some things that have really shown uh, the depth of, of sin. And truth be told, you know, as a pastor, I, I love to come and preach messages where everybody just feels wonderful leaving. They're like, oh, that was such an uplifting sermon. I, I can go like a month on that sermon. And they don't come back for a month. But these are harder. As a pastor, these are not the sermons that you're like, wow, this is really what I've been looking forward to preaching on. Because it's difficult. It's hard. And truth be told, as we listen to God's word and, and are introspective, I, I hope it causes some thought. Some pause in your life to what God is truly trying to say and convey through his word. I've spent a lot of time um, going to different countries. Some of the most memorable due to the things in which I saw and the smells in which permeated my nostrils are found in Africa. Where sewage would flow down the street and Trash was just a part of what living was. Even the concept that you bury the trash in the ground and mix it in to garden. I have been on medical calls as a firefighter EMT and walked into homes where literally after that call, we had to dispose of the clothing that we went into that very home with. I've walked down the streets of Las Vegas, New Orleans, and similar places, where not only the presence of, of sin and corruption was, was seen, but celebrated. In very open and prevalent ways. As I, as I came to the message this morning, these places, these Memories, these things etched on my mind came to the surface. As we look at our passage today, there, these things in a very vivid way, as these places burdened my heart and my soul and, and were etched. in the sensory system of 
who I am. I was burdened. Honestly, these places left me feeling dirty. Burdened the stench hanging upon my soul. As we come to chapter 2, our passage today, as I read it and reread it over and over this week, that same feeling surfaced. That's a hard feeling to, to embrace all week long. Second Peter and chapter 2 is probably one of the most, if not the most, graphic in, in its description of the corruption that occurs within the soul when one allows sin to permeate one's life and even be taught and expressed to others. It's a very graphic description. Jude, in in Jude 4, it describes marvelously how these, these false teachers are conveying their message. Jude 4 states that God's marvelous grace allows us to live in a moral life. That's what these teachers are saying. Oh, His grace allows you to live any way you want. And we see that as we come to this chapter. Some of you have read ahead and know what we are going to be looking at today. And I'm not sure if your heart or your soul was burdened as mine was. But you'll notice that our passage today even ends with dogs eating their own vomit and pigs rolling in the mire and loving it. That's what we're looking at. Chapter 2, when you come to 2 Peter, should not be a chapter you read in and of itself. Rather, within the whole context of, of Peter. Because Peter is conveying a message throughout his letter, and, and chapter 2 is just a part of it. Peter, as he opens, he expresses the importance of you and I growing in our faith and maturity in Christ. For the very purpose of these false teachers who will come into the church and teach these heresies. These awful messages anti the truth. Peter begins by expressing how God's word is truth. That when we come to this, it is, it is our foundation. Remember? Peter, throughout his letter, is causing the, the readers to remember what he has taught. Remember what has been given. Remember what God has said. He is causing them to seek the things they already know. The scriptures in which they have within their hands. And church, you and I have the complete Word of God in our hands available to us. 
And Peter is challenging these things by way of remembrance. But these false teachers come to defile what God has has said, to speak contrary to what God's Word declares, and distort it, twist it. The vocabulary they have used. Well, Peter, as he declares his truth to us today, does not mince words. Like I said, it is one of the most graphic. At this time, there's three individuals I've asked to to help. If those three would come forth and and do what they have been instructed. I, I want you to understand that this week, your pastor went above and beyond. To, to bring you an illustration. Um, we are, we are speaking... Oh, goodness. I'll stand here. We are speaking on, on chapter 2, and so I went for an illustration and went out to the Waylands farm, and I appreciate the Waylands contributing, not directly, but indirectly, to, to the mire... It was wonderful. I showed up at their pig pen, and the pigs instantly all freaked out, and a new guy coming into their pen, you know, um, instantly contributed to my collection. Um, Your pastor did not delegate this to Kevin or Kim. I went in and got this mire for you. And they were loving it. I mean, when I showed up, they were rolling in it. They were covered in it. They were even coming up to me. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. You know. <laughs> this morning, he's like, you know, I should have offered you some boots. That would have been nice. <laughs> How many of you got a whiff of that as it went by you? Juicy. It's been in that bucket just kind of fermenting or whatever it does. I looked this morning and there was steam on the top of the lids. For those of you who don't know what just went by you, mire, um, I'll explain it. There is dirt, some straw, a little bit of water, a lot of pee and poop. And the pigs love mixing that together and rolling in it. Yeah, who, yeah. How many of you, I mean, that's just like, that's what just went by me? Oh, a whole bucket. I got three buckets of it. If anybody wants it afterwards, you can take it. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I wanted you to, to see Meyer, to get a whiff of it. It was fun standing up here and seeing some of the faces. My, my prayer and hope in doing that is as we look at the depravity of what sin does within. Within inside you will go, Ugh. Ugh. Think about that. Once you and I grasp the awfulness of sin, 
It should appeal to us no more than going into this pig pen with the pigs and rolling in that mire. Trust me, it's not desirable. And I hope this morning that we are able to see the awfulness of sin. But chapter 2 is only in the middle of this letter. Because as Peter is describing this and sharing the importance of God's Word, the foundation, sharing with us this sickness of sin, the awfulness, chapter 3 comes and describes the hope that we have through Jesus Christ. So stay with us, okay? This morning we're going to be in the mire. Next week, we'll get there. In chapter 2, there, there is a vivid description of these false teachers, their techniques the way that they use you and I, the way that they use their words, and even the end that they face. And as your pastor, there was a heavy heart. I I put myself in, in Peter's sandals, and I began to understand and realize the urgency of his message. If these are ones that are coming in, then church, all the more, as Peter is challenged over and over, remember, look at your responsibility, grow in your maturity and understanding of God and His Word. Then church, the message is all the more important today. We have a responsibility to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. To remember what God's word has declared to us. Peter began his letter in verse 3 saying and stressing the importance of spiritual maturity in the life of the believer. And how that is the greatest remedy for these false teachers and their teaching. Open your Bibles with me. And as we look at chapter 2, we're going to look at quite a few verses. Remember that mire, as we do. But also remember that in verse 9, Christ says, He knows how to rescue the righteous. I'm going to begin in the second half of verse 10. Peter says, Daring, self-willed, they do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties, whereas angels who are greater in might and power do uh, do not bring a reviling judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like unreasoning animals, Born as creatures of instinct, 
to be captured and killed, reviling where they have no knowledge, will in their destruction of these creatures also be destroyed. Suffering wrong as the wages of doing wrong. They count it a pleasure. Look at this. They count it a pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are stains and blemishes. Reveling in their deceptions as they carouse with you. Having eyes full of adultery that never cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, having a heart trained in greed, accursed children, forsaking the right way, they have gone astray, having followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but he received a rebuke from his own trans, from his own transgression for a mute donkey speaking with a voice of a man restrained the madness of the prophet these these are springs without water and mist driven by a storm for whom the black darkness has been reserved for speaking out arrogant words of vanity they entice by fleshly desires by sensuality those who barely escape from the ones who live in error, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and the Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb. A dog returns to its own vomit. And a sow, after washing, returns to wallowing in the mire. Yeah, that's the passage I read over and over and over this week. Stepping into the pig pen was probably the cleanest feeling of the entire week. These false teachers are vividly described. Did you notice that these are ones who are actually within the church? Wake up! They're not outside there saying, there is no God. We see them. We, we, we turn from those. These are ones who have come into the church. These are ones whose message is subtle and, and slowly permeating the hearts of God's people turning people astray, and their message is, is just praised by the world. Beware. Do you notice the pride and arrogance of these teachers? 
And you'll notice as you go through the whole chapter 2, they, their, them, it's speaking about these false teachers among the people in the church. No wonder Peter is, is writing this with such urgency. And the same is true today. They haven't stopped. Satan's attack on God's church is stronger than ever before. But the pride and arrogance, they even have the audacity to speak down to angels. They don't have that authority. Even the angels who are, who are greater, who have that authority, don't even bring that before God. That is God's place. Yet they step in and presume that authority. The brashness. God compares them to wild animals. Wild animals have instinct. Their sole instinct is to survive. It's amazing. You watch the Discovery Channel and everything about a wild animal is all about instinct. And then they're caught, they're destroyed because something is always stronger and more powerful, right? The cheetah comes along and there they go. The cheetah's trying to survive, and then the next thing comes and gets the cheetah. I mean, it's just a whole thing. And God says, these teachers are like wild animals. I spoke with someone a little while ago who, who believed that the babies, when they are born, are not born into sin. They said, how could such a precious little thing be born into sin? I said, well, first of all, God's word says it. And trust me, I love babies. I mean, they are the cutest little things. We had three of them. But you know what? We, we didn't have to teach them how to sin. They were very good at that all by themselves. It was interesting, talking with this individual, he says, you know, I don't believe they're born with sin. Rather, I believe that they are, are born with hmm, instincts. Or desires. A self-preservation. I'm like, wow, that is a really good description of sin. We do it instinctively. We care about our desires. No one has to teach us to care about our desires. To want what I want. One of the first words a child learns is mine. You chuckle because you know it's true. Especially if they have siblings. Mine. Self-preservation. And sin. When it takes heart, or takes hold in a person's heart and life, creates within the individual an instinct 
to want more. James speaks to it of, of that, the sin, the desire from within. We don't have to blame Satan. We don't have to blame the demons out there. They're working, they're doing stuff. But guess what? We can have those desires from within. That selfishness, that, that mind. Picture of depravity. Depravity. They scoff. They even scoff at things they don't even fully understand. They're cynics when it comes to the Word of God. They take a message like the grace of God. Ephesians, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift. And they take that gift of grace and they twist it, they stain it, they pollute it and say, now you can do whatever you want. Makes me want to vomit. Listen to what what Paul says in Romans chapter 13. Paul declares, he goes, let us behave properly as in the day. Not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy. But these individuals, this, he's talking about the night, but these individuals do this during the day. And Paul's talking about them doing this in the night. They're bold, they're brash about it. And then look what he says over in chapter 6. Paul says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Well, if we sin more, God gives more grace, right? Oh my goodness, the beginning of the next verse says, May it never be! Oh, that we would take the grace of God and think, Oh, thank you, God. Now I can just go and sin and do everything that you don't want that is contrary to your very nature and being. We sang about the blood of Jesus Christ covering our sin at the cross where where it ran red. Why would you take such a gift and say, wonderful, now... I can act like a selfless, selfish, wild, instinctive animal all the more. But these, they take that message. It says they are trained in greed. From the very beginning in the garden, the temptation of more, the temptation of what you don't have and make it mine. Different days, same technique. Compares to Balaam. I encourage you, go to Numbers if you want to read about Balaam. Prophet who used the ability to intentionally lead the people of Israel away from God. He snuck in his message. He wooed the people. They loved him. He said things they just could not get enough of. Sin? Oh, no, we won't talk about that. Love, peace. 
but not sin. Balaam was, was arrogant, but he was not ignorant. Balaam knew what God had said. Balaam knew God's word. God's word came to him and he ignored it. Instead, knowing what God said, he went and did the opposite. God even brought his donkey, which the Waylands have a few donkeys out there too, and I've seen Kim race with those. They're kind of stubborn. But even a donkey listened to God. Even a donkey was willing to follow the command of God and gave the message to Balaam. Do you know what Balaam said to the enemy of Israel? This is the message he gave. He says, you know, to, to the enemy, he says, be friendly to them. Be friendly and and join close with them. Come in and, and just make them feel good. As you do, they'll slowly start to to do the things you you do. They'll participate in your orgies and pagan worships, and and slowly they will they will fall into lust. You come in close and be nice to them and they will soon follow. And then, he tells their enemy, then you can crush them. What a vivid picture. What a technique. Satan still uses this technique today. The technique of of seduction by these false prophets is one used consistently. Did you notice what, what the scripture said there about their talk? Their talk is empty. All these promises. They promise this, they promise that. It says it's like springs with no water. We've all seen shows where where the man is, is crawling across the desert, famished, and he sees an oasis, palm trees, a, a beautiful pond with a waterfall coming into it, looking fresh and cool. He runs to it, he dives in, throws it into his mouth, and it's sand, it's grit. We've all watched the storms come through this valley. Clouds dark. And as it rolls in, thunder, lightning. And then there's a mist. And so much wind with it that you look at the ground and it's still dry. And you're like, that was worthless. Yet the storm clouds brought so much hope to a dry, desolate land. Offering refreshment and nothing comes. That is the words of these false teachers, filled with arrogance and vanity. Promise you everything. They entice 
They appeal to your senses, your sensuality. We have had to go through our bookshelf back there with those who once seemed like they were declaring the truth. And as they rose in popularity, their true colors were revealed and we pulled their books off the shelf as they spoke blasphemous things about the Word of God. They are among you. And Peter, as a shepherd, stands guard, watching, seeing this. You can almost see Peter, with his sling in hand, the staff, ready to protect his sheep, understanding that these are coming in. They declare, we offer freedom! You can do whatever you want, but the freedom that they are declaring is declared as they are shackled to the sin and perversion in which they draw people into. That's not freedom, church. That is what Jesus Christ died for to free you and I from. Yet they draw people in. Proverbs throughout the entire book speaks of these individuals. Warning. Yet time and time again, people are drawn in. Their end, their end is destruction. Verses 20 through 22. These verses have been looked at and used to express that one can lose one's salvation. That's first of all a very little God that cannot save his own. Verse 9 says, I know how to protect my own. Those who belong to me are secure But I want you to understand, as Peter is going through chapter 2, he is speaking about these false teachers. From the very beginning, he has said that they are ones who creep in. They are ones among you. But never does he say these are ones who have entered into salvation, who are children of God. From the very beginning, he identifies them as false, as as something opposite. They never were. Yet they come in with this message. Verse 1 of chapter 2 says, They deny the master who bought them. They push away the very one who died on the cross for their sin. They don't deny their master, they deny the master. Their master is the devil himself, spreading the same message he has declared and spread from the Garden of Eden. These individuals are are ones who know God's word. 
I can't tell you how many articles I have read of atheists who have read the Bible, some of them more times than I have. It's not for a lack of knowing. And the dangerous thing is, as we come, we read this, we can memorize it, we can quote it, and we're like, I know it. They know the Scripture, but they don't know. They have no relationship with the Savior. And they come and they manipulate, they twist, they malign the very Word of God. Church, beware. These are ones who who seek knowledge. They have letters after their name. Supposedly in a world saying, I know more. I have greater knowledge, therefore listen to me. Rather than saying, listen to God's word. And there is nothing wrong with knowledge. Peter is declaring to the people to know God's word. It is God's word that declares the truth so that when you hear their message, you will see that it contradicts the very thing that God says. Verse 21 says, For it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than have known it to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. God gave them an opportunity. They read the scriptures they know. And in knowing, they turned from the truth. To defile it for their own desire, their own pleasures, their own instincts. says it would have been better for them not to have known than to have known and turned away as they did. All who reject the Holy Spirit. The gift that Jesus Christ gave through the cross will spend eternity in hell. It's not a fun message, but it's a real one. But Scripture is also very clear that there are certain ones who will, um, who will spend an eternity there in the greater depths, in greater torment than others. Hell on no level is a good place. Absence from the the very nature and being of God. Never again to be in his presence or experience it. C.S. Lewis said the gates of hell are locked from the inside. God gives them what they want. They reject him. He gives them what they want. But for those who knew says it would have been better if they didn't. These are not hopeless. I pray for individuals who have turned, who, who have maligned God's word. I pray for them fervently. It breaks my heart. 
To see men and women who, who were declaring the truth divert and now declare a blasphemous message. It breaks my heart. And I pray for them. But it's going to be hard for them to come back. Peter says, these are acting from instinct. It's who they are. Like dogs that return to their vomit. I didn't bring vomit this morning. I thought maybe someone might contribute, but... You've all seen it. Even domesticated dogs, well-trained, groomed... They throw up on the floor and you're like, oh, and then all of a sudden they're like, not to worry, I'll clean it up. (laughs) Cat throws up because you saw the dog throw up. The dog's like, I'll clean that up too. (laughs) And it turns your stomach as it should. (laughs) A pig, I've... I, I've felt so bad for some kids in 4-H. They clean their pigs. They're all ready to show, and the pig finds something. You would think in a clean pen they wouldn't find something. Well, they'll make something. And they come back, and their pig is covered. They seek it out. It is their nature. They can't do without it. They're like, oh, I'm clean! And they look for it. It is their instinct. And we laugh and chuckle about a kid and a 4-H project pig, you know, getting all dirty. We chuckle a little bit. But you know what? It should do us no chuckling whatsoever within our heart when we look at the depravity of sin where we long for it. We look for it. And if we do, church, We should wonder why that instinct is within us and look at, do you truly have a relationship with Jesus Christ? That reflection, the sin churn your stomach. Or is it something that whets your appetite? Your taste buds long for I'm grateful that Peter doesn't end the letter here and say, so long, church. But that we get to look next week at at the hope. As God's people, as his children, there is a hope. God is faithful. And Peter, throughout this letter, is reminding the saints to go back to the Word of God, go back to the things that have been stated and declared and taught, and hold fast to these, so that you yourself will not follow these, them, their teaching, but rather the Word of God, the truth. Reminding them, Peter opened his letter this way, and I want to read it in closing this morning. 2 Peter 1, 2 and 3. 
New Living Translation states it this way. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we look at at what sin does. How we once were creatures of instinct, longing for that, enjoying rolling in the mire. Oh, but God, you sent your Son. The spotless Lamb of God who would take that sin, that that yuck, the stain, the putridness of our sin upon himself. And God in turn offer a relationship, a cleansing white as snow, and a desire for you. Oh God, may we desire you, your truth, and may your people be well prepared As we look to you, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that was truly a, um, a bummer this morning. But God, as Pastor points out, but God. In 1 John 5, 4, uh, for whatever is 